have my dad, Lee Berryman, here to talk about historical amnesia in this country. If you don't know what historical amnesia is, I define it as somebody's inability to remember the past, which prohibits us from moving forward in the future. So we forget about the things that happened in the past, and they keep reoccurring, which sort of backtracks us. And if you're into politics or you watch any sort of TV or keep up with any sort of news, you know that we are certainly backtracking, not only in the Afri African-American community, but as, as a country. Daddy, you want to introduce yourself and talk to the people? Certainly. My name is, <laughs> as Laurel said, Lee Berriman. Uh, I was born and raised in Roxbury, Massachusetts, which is a uh, section of Boston. Uh, my dad uh, was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and was a Marine Corps Sergeant Major, fought in World War II, Korea, and part of Vietnam. My mom was born and raised in Tifton, Georgia, and um, my dad and mom met during the war, and that's how they got together. And subsequently, she moved uh, to Austin Roxbury, and the rest is history for them. So where did you grow up in Roxbury? Uh, I grew up... Uh, Tough neighborhood? It was... No, when I grew up in Roxbury, uh, it was at that point still a, a mixed neighborhood. Um, we grew up in a, um, a nice house, had a... Uh, what they now call a, a postal stamp backyard, but it wasn't big enough that stickball, baseball, we played football. Um, it was great. There was an interracial family, Italian family, Jewish family. Um, growing up, I did not understand that there was a difference with people, nor did they understand that there was a difference because I was a person of color. Mm. Um, Back in the early 60s, you know, when the, the TV broadcast would come on and, and then you would see on the news, you know, all the things going on during the Civil Rights Movement, I could not, I didn't understand why, what, I couldn't grasp what was going on because um, nothing that affected me growing up or my, my siblings. So did you grow up, I mean, you and my aunts and uncles, did you all grow up in predominantly black schools, black and brown schools? Uh, um, did you have a lot of interaction with white kids growing up? We, we did, absolutely did. Um, the schools, uh, when I was growing up, uh, we're going back to 1961, 62, um, white folks were starting the migration south. Okay, um, because Roxbury in the early days, 30s, 40s, 50s, was pretty much all white. Mm. Uh, black folk... Really? Yes. Black folk lived, if people are familiar with Beacon Hill, that was the black section. Mm. So there was this migration. So blacks were moving from... Because Beacon Hill was basically prime area, and the powers to be wanted black folk to move out. Mm. So that process had started. So black folks were moving into Roxbury and part of Dorchester, but primarily Roxbury. Uh, and then those white folk that were still there back in 61, 62, were starting to move, and they were moving south. Um, so Milton, uh, Brockton, Randolph, those sections. Mm. Um, white folks were generally moving to. 
Interesting. So what, when was your first experience with the civil rights movement? Because I know we've, we've talked a lot about that, and you looked up to uh, JFK growing up and Dr. Martin Luther King and all that stuff. So what was your first um, introduction to all that stuff? Was Nana involved, Grandpa involved? Yeah, my, my dad was not so much involved in, in going out. Uh, he would explain he to protesting. me. protesting? Yeah, he was not a protester. My mom... I got this from my mom, my, my uh, education in, in protesting. Um, and we're going back again, 62. Uh, if I can give you some hopefully quick, uh, a quick story. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in Roxbury, um, you'll always hear the term uh, school desegregation that was going on. What was that? Um, 60s? That was, well, that really started in the 50s. Uh, Board v. Brown education right, in the fifties. Right. Yep. Uh, so that was school desegregation. So Boston uh, had its bout with it, and um, the difference. One of the things that happened in Boston, the school committee in Boston at the time decided they weren't going to do it. They dragged their feet. So the schools in Roxbury at that point were really pretty much predominantly black. Mm. Black and brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom got it in her head. Her children were going to get the best education they could. And uh, those schools in Roxbury were just not very good. So she got together with neighbors and they <laughs> went down and <laughs> protested. <laughs> and uh, uh, my uh, siblings and I, you know, we would, uh, you know, let's go, kids, let's go. Like, but Ma, I don't want to go. You're going, <laughs> you know. So, you know, and I just I watched and learned. Uh, as a matter of fact, when uh, Dr. King came to town, again, sixty-one, sixty-two, uh, a picture exists uh, in one of the newspapers there, the the old Herald, American, or the Globe. You'll see my mom, a few people away from Dr. King wow. and my younger sister <laughs> marching, <laughs> marching down the street about, the, it was called the Boardman School, mm-hmm. the Boardman School parents. Um, so, yeah, that's, that got me wow. started. We have to try to find that. I, I would love to, right. So wow. I, I'm thinking circus, maybe 62, mm-hmm. 61, 62, somewhere in there. But my little sister, Auntie Angie, you see there, her, uh, as, again, uh, uh, as I recall the picture, she's kind of like crying, I don't want to be, why am I here, kind of, that, that kind of yeah, face. Yeah, getting dragged around. Right, right. Interesting. So uh, you mentioned Nana's from, from Georgia, from Tifton, Georgia, from the South. Um, did she ever talk about her... her uh, upbringing there at all? I know you, you visited a few times, right, over the summer. You want to talk about that a little bit? I will. Well, she um, uh, grew up on, uh, my, my grandfather had a farm, mm-hmm. so she grew up, that's how she grew up with her siblings. Now, is Tifton, Georgia, in, like, deep, like, you know, Tifton, Georgia, you might not want to be there if you're black at night that, kind that, of thing? That or? would be correct. Yeah. Oh, geez. That would be correct. Um, you know, the Klan would run you up. They would, she would tell me, you know, uh, depending on what, how they felt. Really? They would chase you, you know. If they decided you didn't need to be here, they would chase you back, that no kind kidding. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, so I never understood that. So let me get to, now we go to 1960, 65 or 66. And how old are you? 12, maybe, 12, 13, okay. somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So my mother got in her head. She wanted to go back home and visit for, a couple, for the summer. Okay, so my uncle, uh, he, he drove from Tifton, Georgia, to Roxbury, to our house, and off we went in my uncle's big Lincoln car, whatever, mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, just big black car. All of us got in, and drove we drove. We wow. drove all the way. We did not, we only stopped for, for gas and um, restroom breaks where we could, were able to do that. Um, because certain parts of the country, back, even back then, uh, black folk, those unwritten rules, it, right? right? You were you. Well, actually, it was written. You know, once you got past um, into from Delaware and starting getting into southern states, that's when I understood what segregation was. Uh, I'll give you uh, the story. Would be we had stopped someplace in the south, mm -hmm. and um, to go to the restroom. I said, great. And I was going into, there were these two restrooms. One was basically this really nice, you know, looking restroom. It said white. And then there was this really ugly thing. It was like, I'm not going in there. It said Negro. So I didn't understand. So I went, well, I'm going to the one that says white because that's nice. So before I could get in, my cousin who had come with us, he said, cut, he grabbed me, gave me a bear hug, and pulled me back. He said, you can't go in there. And I said, why not? He said, you can get beaten up or killed or arrested because only white people can go in there. And that's when it hit me that I understood what segregation was, what mm. Jim Crow was, what, you know, being some, something other than human was. Right. And see, now that story is always interesting when you tell me because it obsessed me for two reasons. One is, what year, again, did you say that was about? Oh, 65, 66. 65, 66. And the civil rights movement had gotten. Right. The, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 64 had been passed. And did segregation, and right, officially. Right. And so you still had southern states. That, that's why I said unwritten rules, because they were still doing their own thing. They were thing, still going to do right? it. They, it didn't matter. That is correct. Um, but you could have ended up, you know, like Emmett Till. Like Emmett Till. That, uh, the, right? That's the same thing that happened to him. He was from the city in the north and, you know, visiting family, wasn't used to any of that really where he was from. That's and right. then, boom, That's what right. happened to him, right? That's right. There was no... If your cousin wasn't there to save you, I mean, who knows what would have happened. Right. I got that education from my cousins. There's no staring at white women. Keep your head down. It's, what, why, you know... I don't want to keep my head they down. They you cross the street? Right. It was, mm -hmm. it was, I, I finally figured out what it meant, as I said earlier. I was something other, other than human. And uh, to this day, to this day, I have no intention ever. The, the, far, the farther south I will go is Disney. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It, it left a real mark on me. I can imagine. 
I mean, I have. I don't even want to go because hearing those stories and just all the all the history that I've I've uh, the research that I've done in, into history and, and just just knowing in the documentaries and you've seen it and a lot of it still happens. Well, what happens is, I mean, today, I mean, you see, you see. I mean, the KKK is still is uh, still uh, out there, well alive, you know. I, you know, so voting suppression is still rampant. Exactly. Uh, it's like there's nothing in the South for your father. <laughs> I was done. Nineteen sixties. Yeah. <1966. laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't. I don't blame you. I would feel that way too if I had that experience. Yeah. So it uh, it was something. Really? So for the two months that we were there, we spent the summer there. The whole summer. The whole summer. So what is that? Three months. It's two months. Two months. Two months. So um, there were no street lights, no sidewalks. This red clay, and, and, and the housing, there were these huts, and it's, it's, it was just devastating to me. It's like, people live here? Why? Why is this? Mm. You know, and it, it just, it became a learning experience for me. Um, I was lucky that my, my aunts and uncles there, they were bricklayers. My uncles. In the city? They were in the city? No, no. Tifton was not, not a city. Okay. It, uh, they built their own homes. The whole street could have been named after them because every <laughs> my aunt and uncle lived across the street. My other aunt and uncle lived down the street. The whole street was... It all was, your family? It was, it was family. And they built them all themselves. They built them all themselves. Yeah. And then my grandfather had his farm in the middle of it, and he raised uh, chickens and, and hogs. So a city boy going there is like, uh, okay, ma, this is not working for me. Of course, I'm saying this to myself because... Yeah, right. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone very well for me. No, no, of course not. So as we have our have our conversations you know watching uh, am joy and msnbc all all kind of stuff and we have our conversations about the political climate now and what's going on we see with this make america great again right that whole thing and the things that happen um do you see similarities happening now while your daughter and son are growing up that happened while when you were growing up certain things that you just spoke about. Can you, can you think of anything that you've... There's a, there's a phrase, old phrase, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So in terms of opportunities for black and brown people, no question, um, things have gotten better. Right. Um, I was able to uh, go to school, college. I did all that because of what folks that came before me what they had to sacrifice so I could do that. And that meant there were people who died for freedom. Yeah. Okay, literally died. Um, and I took advantage of, I'm, my father used to always say, he was, I was called him the Sergeant Major because he preferred that. The Sergeant Major always said, boy, you take what is yours. You have a right to it. You are an American citizen. Mm. You take what is yours. You learn what they have to teach you, and you take it and learn. Let nobody close the door on you. Mm. And I always kept that in the back of my head. And I always tried to uh, 
uh, Mommy and I always tried to let you and, and, and Spencer know. You, you take backseat to nobody. Right. So anyway, to get back, it, um, but, but things are, you know, things are changing again. We're, we're, we're sliding back. Racism in this country, I would have to say, is probably worse than I can remember. And that says a lot. That says quite a bit, yeah. That says a that's, lot because I've been through my share of having to just be in the wrong place and the riot broke out. Well, right. You know? Well, well, well <laughs> talk about that. Let's talk about that story. Uh, well, it wasn't Faneuil Hall. Where was it? No. When uh, Dr. King was assassinated uh, April 4th or 6th, at 68, yeah. um, a rioter broke out in a place in Roxbury called Grove Hall. Grove Hall. Okay. Which doesn't exist anymore, right? Grove Hall still exists. Oh, it it's, does? It, oh, yes. It, um, I thought they burned it down. They did burn it down. Oh, they, okay. But after, they, they built it back after 40, 50, you know, it, it's, it's beautiful now. Okay. Um, but Auntie Alice had gone to a party Right in the middle. That night. <laughs> that night. Mm-hmm. So um, my mom had gotten, you know, word, you know, a bulletin, riot in Grove Hall. So, of course, you know, your grandmother goes to me, go get your sister. So, oh, so I'm saying to myself, well, why do I have to go? <laughs> 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 so, of course... I went with uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I had just come back from band practice. I was in a band, and the uh, the piano player was there. And uh, you know, so I said, "Yeah." So Ronnie said, "Yeah, let's go. I'll go with you." So we walked. We walked from uh, for those who out there who may uh, f- who may be familiar with Roxbury Eggleston Station. I had to walk up from Egg- by Eggleston Station and cut across to get to to Grove Hall. Well, when we got to Grove Hall, um, it was quite scary. What'd you see? Buildings were burnt out. You could still smell some, you know, uh, embers. And you see the Boston police in this riot gear. So we're walking through to get to the house where Auntie Alice was. And this one police officer got behind us with his nightstick and kept saying, what are you doing here? And using the N-word. I was going to say, oh, we don't, don't say it. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, he kept okay. saying the N-word, N-word. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to react. And Ronnie said, don't do anything. He worse, but don't do anything. He's wa- he wants us to react. I said, I'm not saying it. Just keep walking. Um, and uh, I'll never forget that night. Um, and then coming back, we walked past the firehouse. And the fire department. The fire guy was standing out there and said, go home, N-word, go home, N-word. And I'm like, what? Just walking. Just walking. It's it's like, okay. And that's in liberal Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts, the East Coast, as racist as anybody, but it was more covert. It was more covert. Um, it's like it's like we we talked about the other day that I, I I brought up to you. I forgot where I had heard it, but it never clicked. Like I said, was you know everyone would like to believe that the North was so liberal and so anti-slavery, and they didn't believe that that uh, black people should be property. And maybe they did, but they absolutely didn't believe black people were on the same level as white people. Correct, right? Because if that was the case, you you agreed to the. Uh, what was it? What is it? The um, 
a fugitive slave fugitive act. slave act, right. right? Like you signed off on that. That if they escape and come here, we'll right. we'll send them back, or we'll send them back. Absolutely. You know, don't forget that, and it, and that's something that you know, we ought to all be ashamed of ourselves. We should, and especially you know, Massachusetts history as well with their their the way they've treated Native American people. And I had heard a, a while ago, and I'm not sure I have to check on the story, but um, Obama's first term, he had signed something out of it was it was still a law and he had gotten rid of it um or maybe it wasn't obama it might have been just some kind of massachusetts uh, legislator something but there was some law that if uh a uh, a native american man woman or child was on the on the front steps of the state house or in front of in that area uh you could you could kill him it was mm. legal it was it was all right to do Right. And you know the, the and that's only and that's only recently that somebody saw somebody dug that up and said, wait, this is still a th- you know I don't know if people knew that or not, but you said this is still a thing. We got to get rid of this. We can't have people thinking that this is you know okay or that Massachusetts will still stand for that. But still, you know. Well, if you look at the state house today, even back then, uh, 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 Native American history is all over the state house. That's it. You know, and that's another thing. Did you ever take a good look at the Massachusetts state flag? This is what I'm exactly right. What what did, what did you notice about that flag? The, the Native American in the in, in the background. There's a right, but do you know if you okay? So for, and for the listeners, if you take a look at the at the flag, right? You have a, a Native American man who's presumably a, a Wampanoag uh, native, um, because they're they're they were you know uh, there was a lot of them in this area in this Boston area, and above. The native, I think there's a circle, and then the native person is in it. There is a hand holding a sword above the Native American male's head. Now that I missed, I have to admit. I didn't. I was in one of my classes, um, intro to feminist theory is called, and uh, my professor pointed out I never noticed that. Yeah, I never, I never noticed, noticed that. that myself. And it's to uh, kind of keep the history of uh, scalping Native Americans. And that was a form of control, just like for us it was a lynching, right? For and Correct. rape for black men and women. Um, for Native Americans, it was it was scalping and uh, being hunted like animals, right. you know. And and that we still have that flag that is still there. It's facts. Fact check me if you if you look up the flag, you'll see it's a hand holding a sword right above his head. Well, we need to get rid of that, don't we? That's and that's what I'm saying. And people, you know, all these politicians act like. Massachusetts is so liberal, and this whole area is just so, you know, not woke, but, you know, we're, we're uh, ahead of the time, so to speak. To, and, some degree, uh, to, some, to some degree, Massachusetts has been ahead of the time, but it's always in increments, mm. okay? Um, so, yes, you, you're, there was a lot of freedom here, but, again, on the other side, the, the, the ugly side of the state, the, other, the ugly side of Boston, Roxbury, um, really boiled over when we get to the 70s and busing. Busing. Yeah. Okay, now I was out, I was out of school, the Boston public school system by 72. Right, but there was, the the rumblings were going on, the rumblings were going on, and Judge W. Arthur Garrity said, enough of this foolishness. This is being implemented and it's going to be into, implemented now. Now, for people listening that aren't aware with um, the busing, I think it was called the busing crisis, right? It was the, the busing crisis. Right? Can you explain what was that? What? Okay, so uh, uh, for the listeners out there, when we, the earlier discussion with Laurel, 
I had mentioned that back in the early 60s that uh, uh, Massachusetts was supposed to desegregate the schools, and they didn't do it. Okay, they dragged their feet for, for years, uh, and then there were multiple uh, lawsuits filed in, in the federal court, and then uh, Judge W. Arthur Garrity at some point said, okay, this is going to be implemented, and you're doing it now. Enough of this. Right. And then that's when fun, the fun started. So for those who remember, you know, the, the crisis back in Mississippi and Alabama scene, you know, uh, folks coming out with sticks and knives and bombs because black people were going to, you know, go into all-white schools, they got a taste to see what it was like in the North, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. was awful, mm-hmm. was awful. Um, wow, it was awful. Google it, you, you'll see the, the footage. Um, so busing being... So what they did was all the black kids and brown kids from Roxbury, Dorchester, had to go to be bused to schools in South Boston. Now, let me give you some quick back, background. South Boston and Roxbury were at war with each other in terms of if you were black, you did not want to be in South Boston, mm. okay, uh, because the, the white Irish in South Boston, not all, not all, but enough hated black folk. So you were not allowed to be in South Boston. Mm. Don't get full context. Never. The press whether it be electronic, you know, ink, they have an obligation to tell people the truth, full context, and that doesn't happen. Um, and, and everything is just, it's just in an awful situation. You went through growing up that we talked about and, you know, the things that Nana saw as a black woman in Tifton, Georgia, the things that Grandpa had to probably deal with, uh, as a black man who was a sergeant major, which is the ultimate rank, right, in the Marines, uh, black man in the, what, 40s, right, World War II, Vietnam, yeah. the things that he, he, you know, people probably said to him and the way that he was treated, I mean, I can't even imagine just, what, you know, when we watch, like, the Tuskegee Airmen uh, and you see how they, so I can only, only imagine. And it's sad that after all of that, you can, you, you sit here today and say that, not only do you see similar patterns coming, you know, reemerging, but you think that is worse. It's it, even worse. It's worse. I mean, and and I agree because it's just people have different outlets now. I mean, now there's social media and there's all this new technology and all kind of things. And people feel we have a president that empowers people to say whatever you want to say. Don't it doesn't don't don't worry if it's offensive. Say whatever you want to say. Like right like. Like yeah. when he said about s-hole countries, right. and, and oh, if, if there's people at the rallies that are opposing me, kick them, beat them, beat right. the hell out of them, right? He said he says these things, and but so, nobody does anything, right? Nobody does anything to call him out. No, and you know I, I'm going political. The the power structure in the Republican Party, they do nothing, right? This is about the country. I don't care about the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. It's the country. 
where have people gone? Mm. You know, your grandfather is turning over in his grave right now. I, it's, it's amazing to me, mm. right? And just to add on to that, what, what's, what, what saddens me so much and angers me, this new generation of folk, particularly, you know, millennials, black and, and brown, who go, well, I don't need to vote. What difference does it make? Mm. Or those who are, are so, as we used to say back in the 80s, bougie, bougie, who go, <laughs> well, isn't America great? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. seriously? Mm-hmm. Great for who? Mm. Okay, great for who? Mm. Okay? Um, That's you, right. You know, ask those, you know, ask the, the, those people, you know, ever, it, hear the, ever heard the term, uh, uh, strange fruit hanging. Mm-hmm. Okay, ask those people who got hung because they were black. Is is is, is America great? Ask those people who uh, just walking down the street today. Who, if certain law enforcement see, they get shot in the back just because. That's right. So who's America great for? Right. Because if you're talking about black and brown people, not so much. If you're talking about the LGBTQ community. Not so much, mm-hmm. right? That's you, exactly right. <laughs> it's still about women, women, particularly black women. Yeah. Really? Who's right. it great and that, for? And that's why, you know, for the record, it's so, it's so hurtful when you have people like Kanye West, all these, you know, big figures that people have looked up to, in, whether they're in entertainment or I know there was, uh, uh, you're fam- are you familiar with Mary Mary? Of course. Yeah, that gospel that uh, the two of those women, one of them is a Trump supporter, and she spoke about that. And I remember here, uh, a, you know, of course, during the election in 2016 is when she brought it up, and a lot of people were like, well, we're done buying your music. And that doesn't, things like that don't sit well with me because people should be able to vote for who they want to vote for. Be, you know, be on whoever side you want to be on because there's some people, black people even, that voted for Trump that, there's white people I know that voted for Trump. They're Republican. They don't agree with anything that he says. They think that he's racist. But the whole point and why it's inexcusable, especially when you're a black person that, that votes that way or that just you know defends what Make America Great Again means, it's hurtful for those reasons that you just stated, is that you know, Kanye, you know what happened to your ancestors? You know what they had to go through? For you to be there to make the kinds of millions that you are making That's because right. of people that died for you. Now, um, if you are a person, I don't care what color you are, man, woman, Christian, whatever. If you say we are a Trump supporter, oh, I'm going there. <laughs> if you are a Trump supporter yeah. because, well, you like the tax cut that most people didn't get, by the way, or because he's keeping those brown people out who are invading the country. Like, Which, uh, yeah, you, I, don't, I don't see a wall. Really? Uh, really? See one? Yeah. You are complicit. You are complicit in the racism, right? The, mm-hmm. the, all of it. You are complicit. So it's not, oh, yeah, I, you know, I don't agree with his racism, but I like this. Sorry, you don't get to get off. You are complicit I in agree. all of it. I agree. I have no, absolutely. So look absolutely. in the mirror right. and just and just claim it, and just be honest and don't get upset. Because I talk to people who get. Why are you upset? You agree that he's a racist. You agree that he does racist things. But you voted for. But him. you vote for him, and you would vote for him again. Right. So what does that say about you? Exactly. You are complicit. 
you say, this is okay. Right. And for those, those veterans out there, particularly white veterans, mm -hmm. with the Russia thing, it's like, are you serious? Are you serious? You let this go and say nothing? That people who have, are, have died and are dying on the battlefield for what this flag stands for, but you say, well, we let the Russia thing slide. It's incredible to me. Ten years ago, are you kidding? Mm. If a president had been accused of that, it'd be all over. Mm -hmm. Today, it's, well, it's okay. I mean, I see these veterans, you know, they sit there with their scowls and their, their Make America Great, you know, caps on, and I go, what has happened here? This is crazy. That's right. That's why I, I'll never forget the night of the election. I, I was at, uh, I was a freshman. I was living on, on campus at the time, and I had fallen asleep, and it was around probably 1 or 2 in the morning. The TV was still on. I, had just, I just woke up, and right at that time is when they announced the winner. And I cried, and, I, and the reason why I cried was for that reason exactly, was that it's like, how did we, how did we get here? How did we get here that, you know, and aside from the you know voter fraud and everything else there was people that did vote for him there was people that that stood by him and that wanted him to be the president and that to me was scary and that's why i cried because it's like we we've been through so much as a country no matter what race ethnicity age class that you're in wherever you're from in this country we have been through so much and to to be here to be here it's it's sad. It's, That's it, why sometimes I have, I have a hard time even just. It's you know, depressing. I can't listen to them because like I can't I can't believe it. Yeah, it's depressing. Believe. It's maddening. It is maddening. It's disappointing mm -hmm. that people that there are some people in this world that choose to be ignorant. Sometimes you may hear the the term willful ignorance. Yeah. They just choose to be ignorant. Right? And that's dangerous. It is very dangerous very, because yeah. the information is out there. You got to dig it. You got to dig it out. You know, if you're somebody who is a right-wing news gatherer, you never—I'm <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. A storyteller. You're never going to get the true facts, right? Because if you listen to, you know, some of these right-wing folks, you would think brown people are, are, are invading, raping, and. And <laughs> they have people believe it. People really and, believe it. And this is the thing that is so maddening. It's like, folks, wake up. Stop. What are you going to do? Yeah. But the, the, the good thing is, praise God, that justice will prevail. 70-plus mm. percent of the people in this country are not Trump supporters. Mm. They just have to stand up and be counted. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. Mm -hmm. A lot of them didn't. That's right. That's, that's right. So now you see, now you kind of, one of the things I, I said back in 16, 2016, I said, folks, you got to do the math. Yep. Now, I know people don't like Hillary Clinton. I was not a big Hillary Clinton supporter. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, folks, basic algebra, two and two, whatever. You got to do the math. And people just said, no, either not do the math or not show up and vote. Right. So now the, the, the thing is, now that you see what you got for two years, now if you now say, oh, I would vote for him again, I don't know what to say to you. No, you, you have, even if you're, even if you're a, a white 
you know, yeah. hetero cis person. It's like what he's not doing anything for anybody other than those in he's his do, he's doing every for the, for the one for the one percent. Like that's it. And yeah. they're not women either. Right. And if, if, right? if rich, people, rich white men are Trump's right. people. That's if you it. would just, you being that's folks it. out there, would just do your research, you would see the tax cut. Some people got a tax cut. True. Most of you didn't. And when you get your tax return that you think you're going to get back that you don't get, think about why. Right. Think about every time that man talks, he lies. That. I'm building the wall right now. And people believe this. Mm. There's no wall being built. Mm -hmm. What's being done is they're refurbishing what's already there. But people buy this. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. It's time to stand up it's time and to be counted. It is time. But what, what scares me about stuff like that, and since we're kind of talking about past and present today on this episode, is that... Uh, when we, when we look back at, at the civil rights movement and we look at uh, what they did with the boycott after uh, Rosa Parks and they boycotted um, and they didn't no one rolled the bus. Now they got everybody in. I don't know if it was a state or whatever that it, maybe just that area. It was a ta that township, that, the, the right. city. Not <laughs> not one single black person got on a bus for over a year, a little bit over a year, and then they achieved what they wanted to achieve. Now, let's and they be could clear. sit wherever they wanted to on the bus. Now, That's right. Now you have <clears throat> this whole situation, right? So we, we go from that, and, and that gives me hope. It's like, wow, they, they did that. So this maybe, can be done. maybe we can do that if we look back on them. But the problem is now either nobody's looking back on those situations to look for inspiration on how to do it, or they just don't care because now we have this whole big fiasco with Colin Kaepernick in the NFL who now it seems like it's taking a deal and, and he's, he's going to play. And, and which people think is, is a problem. But, but more so than that, we have people that they don't want to take a knee. No one wants to kneel. No one wanted, when he first started this, nobody wanted to, to stand by him because everybody was afraid. And it's like, don't you understand if we all do this, like what were they going to, what were they going to do? Find every single black football player in the NFL? Really? Right. That would not Kick have Kick everybody happened. out. But again, bench I, everybody. But again, the problem. It wouldn't be football. But again, the problem is you know, trying to get these new young folk who are making multi-millions of dollars to say, you know, I, I don't, I'm going to take a paycheck. This is a cause I'm going to fight. It's just not there That's for, what that, I'm for that group. But even in the past, we, you had like, uh, like Harry Belafonte and, and uh, Sidney Poitier and people like that. They were rich. They were celebrities. They were they were with the movement. That's, they did what they had to do. But you have celebrities now that they won't give it up. They'd rather wear the gold chains and that's everything exact, else. Exactly you know, like right. uh, Floyd Mayweather right now. With I don't know if you're uh, familiar with this whole situation with the um, name brand things that are doing all this racist stuff. Uh, Gucci. Yes, and yes. I, he's still wearing it. And so you know, if we could get all black celebrities or all uh, uh, the the black elite to boycott. Anybody that can afford that, not just the black, but anybody that can afford Gucci, and I think it was, um, there's one more, I don't know what it is, but if we could get those people to boycott, everybody just boycott, and then, you know, try to achieve something from that, whatever the demands that we may put out there, we, we would get some change, something would happen, some, some reparations would be made to us, who were disrespected by by what they did with that blackface uh, sweater. But no, you have people like Floyd Mayweather and whoever else that go, you know, 
it's not important to me. I don't care. I know I'm. I understand I'm a black person, but it doesn't bother me. I don't but, care because I have all this care. money and everything else. They don't else care. And, but and, it's uh, it's it's the folks who aren't making that big money, the black and brown folks, who can make that change. But and we need the, everybody. To we do need it. everybody. Yeah, but but know. even during the the um, the boycott back in the fifties, every every black person didn't ride the bus. Now. There were some black folk who were going to try to ride the bus. Yeah, what happened? And then there were, and then there were the uh, some of the leadership said, "We we will, we will have a nice long talk with them." That's right. Mm-hmm. Right, and they had a good talk with them, and guess what? Everybody stayed off the bus, and that's what you need to have here. Now, I'm not talking violence. I'm talking no, 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 no. that you. Right, although I'm sure they got threatened. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we don't know. We don't I don't know. know. I don't know. I, but I do know, and if you, again, if you, if you research, you, you will see that there were a group of folk who had a talk with that other group of folk who were going to try to ride the bus, <laughs> and they convinced them this is not a good idea. Right. Because it's, right. it's about getting everybody on the same page. Right. It's power in numbers. It's not about the individual. It's about the whole. Right. And that's what needs to happen, and particularly with your generation of folk. Because I get it. People are making a lot of money now. It's a wonderful thing. But you're right. You've got to go back to the past, right? What's, what, what's the movie? You've got to go back to the future, mm. right? You're not making this money because, you know, somebody decided, okay, yeah, yeah, you can get this because you have. Somebody had to die for this. Right. A lot of people had to die for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and people had to 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 break the chains off of their ankles and hands that, right. that you are willingly paying millions of dollars for to put on your neck. That's right. You know. That's right. And people, are, I think, are so blinded by the bling and the cars and the girls and the guys and the this and that and the the followers and the likes that right. none of this is important to them. And that's that is the problem. That is my biggest fear for my generation is that you know everybody is so clouded. They're all drinking the Kool Aid. That's it. They're all drinking the Kool Aid, and it's like extra fruity. How, how you know extra fruity Kool Aid, and they're drinking it happily with ice. With ice. <laughs> uh, um, and so now we're at the we're at the point where it's time to stand up and be counted. Yeah. There's no more fooling around, folk. It's time to be counted. It's time to understand what the issues are and educate yourself. It doesn't cost you to pick up a book. It doesn't cost you to Google something and cross-reference so you can see the truth. Mm-hmm. Get the truth. Now, once you find the truth and you decide, well, I don't care, then fine. There's nothing we can say to you, you know, we have to shun you. Sorry. You fall through the cracks. For the rest of us, onward, upward. We got to go mm. and now, protect this country. Now, there are, some, there are some people that will say, because I've had that conversation with people, right? Like when you tell me you can't speak to stupid or, you know, whatever, something in that, in that uh, field where it's like you're trying to get everybody to be on the same page as you and some people just don't want to hear it. And it's like, well, I got I to gotta go. Because there's other people that want to hear it. I can't waste all my time with you who doesn't want anything to do with this. But I've heard the argument said that it's, well, well, that, well you can't have that attitude. you you got to get everybody on the same page. Everybody's important. You have to try to understand them and maybe understand why they don't want to join. I mean, what would you say to somebody like that? I mean, I don't know how I feel about we that. We are in a fight. And 
this is how I'm just giving you my feeling. I do not have time for people who don't want to know. That you tell them and they still don't want to know. I'm not going to be their psychiatrist. Sorry, you got to go. The train is leaving the station. Get on board or get left at the station. This is for the whole. We got to fight for the whole. And there's some people who are just going to have to get left. It's just the cycle of life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't want to know. Fine, don't know. You get left at the Which station. You call it a willful ignorance, right? Willful ignorance. So that's Fall how I feel about it. Yeah, that's it. Because yeah. some people, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. No more. I, oh, you should talk to No, you go talk to them. I'm not. Mm. Got to move on. People are suffering. We got to get going here. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, Daddy, thank you so much for, for coming. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. And uh, No, Listen. If I can interrupt, this just blesses Daddy's heart that my little girl is like, oh, it's just too much for me. <laughs> so thank you for having me. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you. And, and uh, like I say, you're like a, a walking, talking, living history book. And so, you know, your voice needs to be heard. And, and I'm glad that uh, you were able to share some of your story here today. And I hope it, I hope it resonates with some of you who are listening um, and uh, I hope it scares some people. It, it should. It scares me that uh, my, my, how old are you, Daddy? 65? Yes. 65-year-old father who was born in 54? 53. 53. In 1953, lived through, you know, assa- JFK was assassinated in his time. All kinds Mal- of- uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm X. Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, Medgar. Martin Luther King. The list goes on and on and on. So, I mean, he lived through all of those things at a, a big time in our country where, where we were really trying to- fix this racial situation and and uh and he was involved in it and and uh so for for him to sit here and say that we are living in a time now that is worse if if not equally as bad but worse than than the 60s in in this country that's that's scary and something should be something needs to be said you know for that that's that's very that's very serious and i agree with you and the evidence is there. You know, anytime you turn on the news, the music, anything, 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 is it's all around us. And so, absolutely. you know. One last thing before you go, I want you to mention, because all my friends, nobody believes me, but you used to play drums for James Brown. I did. I used to play when I was, uh, I think I was around 12 or 13 years old when... Um, my mom and dad figured out I had some, some skill. I'll try to be quick with the story. <laughs> Back in the day, you know, James Brown was playing what we used to call the Chitlin Circuit. Mm-hmm. You know, just local clubs around across the country. Yep. And he was there, and Sunday was the Sunday afternoon matinee, and they had what was called open seat or open mic. So if you sang, it was open mic. If you were played, open seat. So my mother... After church, let's go. I don't know where, where we just let's go. And uh, 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 Mr. Brown was there with his this this outfit. His get up. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. And you know who's up? And my mother said, "This young man." He said, "Okay, young legs, come on." And um, I don't remember. It was either "Please, please, please" or "Try me." One of the two. 
And then after that, when he came to town and he needed a drummer or something to happen, he called my mother, who was my manager, and off I went. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, yeah. And you played with a few other big names, right, back I, then? I uh, did. Some Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? Never played with Earth, no. Wind, and Fire. I sat in with a group called Tower of Power. Tower of Power, okay. I sat, I sat in with um, Gladys Knight, the Pips, the great Aretha Franklin, uh, and some other groups I'm, I'm sure folks don't know. Old school people, yeah. Old yeah. school people, mm-hmm. but that's how I learned, got my chops. You know, chops being uh, my style, my skill, um, playing. Um, so, yeah, no big, there was no big shift, just something I did, and um, I was glad I did That's it. cool. That's really cool. So now I play for, I play for God, and happy to do so.